Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined in this wonderful, uh, amazing new year by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you doing here in the year of our Lord 2022? I'm generally doing pretty well. I mean, uh, I'm scrambling every day, I'd say that, I'd say that, with just trying to stay on top of things. You know, it's funny when we put out a little bit of, and this is no fault of our just wonderful bro users, but as soon as I put out one thing, they ask for more and more and more. And and other than if we had a bunch of um, bugs in a lot of offices and, and in classrooms around UCLA, there's the, or if we or if we were kind of just an omniscient deity there would be no other way of really knowing a lot of the stuff that everyone wants to know immediately but we're trying so i'm scrambling every day to try because to get of all you, that information for you because of you the listener the reader the subscriber tracy scrambles every day <laughs> i'm scrambling man every day he's I'm a scrambling man Hustling, hustling, every day's hustling. Um, yeah, because, well, th- there's a lot going on. There All right, so just to recap, on. since we last recorded, uh, the Holiday Bowl was canceled. Uh, UCLA um, lost a quarterback commitment that literally had happened, I think, like three days before we last recorded. Um, and uh, and basketball restarted and then got a bunch of new stuff canceled and then uh, also tried to reschedule some stuff and then got that canceled. And now is uh, scheduling some new games. So there's a lot going on. We got I a lot think to talk we about. personally cursed the Holiday Bowl because didn't we oh say God, something yeah, we like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's too late well, to cancel this. Okay. All right. So <laughs> let's start with that. Let's start with that. Because that was bad. I, I think you and I maybe, I don't know if we differ slightly on it. I think, so here's what I think. I, I hold many thoughts within my head at the same time because I am a philosopher king. Um, I think uh the, the covid issues are real yeah yeah totally and uh they absolutely should have canceled the holiday bowl where i come from here is they should have been able to project a little bit further in advance that it was going to be canceled or very 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 likely to be canceled and that should have been communicated proactively uh communicated to uh, see to it NC gets, state, it gets dirty. to fans NC state, to holiday bowl people to not everyone, the fans, transparent, but the parents. fully transparent. Okay. Cause here's the thing. If, if Joe fan, we'll just call him Brian, my brother, uh, Brian, my brother, if he had known going Brian, in that it's brother. very likely going to be canceled and maybe he doesn't go to San Diego. I, I legitimately do. I, I've had enough information that they, they believe they were playing this game up until Sometime the day before, and I know that. Well, okay, but 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 here's my point. They shouldn't have thought that. If you because thought you had enough take, players it to play, it doesn't take that much projection of an infectious disease to figure. Well, it's it's gotten these guys in this position group now. What's like like think about what Mick Cronin said yesterday in your interview with him. He's like, it doesn't come in a straight line. Like it's not like everyone gets infected at the same time. It's you have a positive test here and then a positive test two days from then and then another positive test three days after that. Okay, so where it's a moving <laughs> – the the goalposts are moving then because where do you originally call it? 
like when they originally had like a week and a half ago, like within 10 days ago when they had some COVID positive? Well, I think so we saw it happening in real time, right? Because you saw like a few guys missing practice and then it was a few different guys who were in like similar position groups. So you can see it starting to like build a little bit of a crest. And so it's not so much, hey, we're definitely going to cancel this thing, but like three or four days in advance, hey, we're in a really precarious spot. Not, oh, if we have 11 healthy players, we're going to play. It's, that was a mistake. We're in Chip a Kelly really precarious yes. spot. And if we get a few more infections, we're going to be in trouble. We're not going to give you more details of the position groups, but we want to be transparent with everyone that this this is a very precarious position we're in. We're doing our very best to mitigate this and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, but okay. So there's a difference. I think if, you, if they would have been very forthcoming and saying, We've had COVID-19 issues within our program for the last two weeks. We've had some players in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, we're feeling fairly confident, but the way this works, it's not in a line. It can go exponential. And we just want to prepare everyone that we're feeling good about it right now, but we might not tomorrow. Something think, along those lines. The thing is, I think that would go such a long way in because it's it's long been my thing with like football generally at UCLA, but like I think just generally speaking, more transparency and more communication would go such a long way, even if what you're being transparent about is something that should be patently obvious to everyone, which is hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic and weird stuff happens. But if you're more transparent and more communica communicative, it doesn't feel like you're being blindsided four hours before the game that oh, Dave, this, is, this is happening. What human organization is is adequately transparent that you know of? Name one. Lots of them are not, but not so many of them are this uh, – make this – so I'm, I'm going to say it. Make this many mistakes in such a short period of time because this wasn't happening with many other bowl games. They were getting canceled well in advance, and there was more communication in advance. But there are different criteria for different teams and uh, compared to UCLA, too. Sure. I, I, I'm with you. But yeah. I'm just saying it would help, especially when you've got thousands of people paying lots of money to go to a bowl game. Look at me. I'm, I'm like a program defender. You are a program Look defender, and I am a, I am a program attacker. I'm a me. vicious attacker. I've never dog. been this before. It feels pretty good. Yeah, you love it. All right. But so the Holiday Bowl was canceled. Um, and, uh, that was unfortunate. It would have been fun to see a lot of these guys who will no longer be at UCLA play another game. Yeah. And there's, you know, some building news about different guys who are leaving the program. That was sort of a transition. Did you like it? I, I actually, I didn't even think twice about it. That was so seamless. I know. Was it was really smooth. It was really smooth. Um, Alec Anderson, I think wasted absolutely no time in announcing his decision. I think it was literally... Uh, the game's canceled, and then later that night he announced that he is uh, going into the NFL draft. Uh, Kyle Phillips just announced yesterday. Um, we're still waiting on information, or not waiting on information, but waiting on official word from Zach Charbonnet. Um, I think uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is obviously the big name. Um, Sean Ryan, I think, has been as radio silent as he was during his recruitment about this. Um, and uh, obviously, um, Otito Ogbania had already announced that he was leaving. Uh, Greg Dulcich we're waiting on, uh, Mitchell Agude we're waiting on. Um, but there's, you know, there's already been some movement. I think the the big thing that I think is um, significant so far um, in terms of departures is Kyle Phillips. Um, I think he gets a little bit, I don't know if it's underrated, but a little bit um, 
yeah, not noticed as much for the amount that he has contributed, but the simple fact that he was a, I would argue an elite punt returner, not just good, um, on top of being uh, one of the better slot receivers in the Pac-12. I think that's going to be missed in a huge way, and I don't want that to be discounted. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I thought he got a, a good amount of postseason honors and accolades that were deserving, but um, yeah, he, he wasn't overlooked. He was first team... Uh, as a receiver and I think second team as a punt returner. I mean, that's pretty good. That's the kind of guy Kyle Phillips, I think in the past would be overlooked <laughs> for awards. So I, I was a little encouraged by that. Um, here, here's the, here's the discussion. And uh, we have this discussion because we saw a little bit of uh, uh, Ethan Garber's play this year. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson tended to target Kyle Phillips and Greg Dulcich quite often over the course of a season. Greg Dulcich is his roommate, and he's pretty close friends with Kyle Phillips. And then um, when we saw Garbers come in, he actually threw the ball to other people. Yeah, he really did. Um, There was a good post yesterday, and I kind of went opposite of it, but it was interesting, the point. Will... Uh, let's say Greg Dulcich leaves too, but even if he doesn't, will will and Dorian Thompson Robinson returns. Will will he be able to like target other guys besides his two best friends? He'll need somebody new to sleep with, like to be in the same you know <laughs> ooh, apartment ooh. with. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, have a new have a new uh, receiver uh, roommate. Right. Um, when it comes to the other guys, we've, well, we have been kind of uncanny in our predictions so far. Um, I'm kind of seven for seven on the guys who would stay and the guys who would leave. Uh, we foresaw Alec Anderson leaving. There were uh, some forces um, that were playing on that situation that, that um, I just details I'm not going to reveal, but that made me really pretty convinced that he was going to go pro. Uh, and it's kind of, I, I mean, we're seeing a lot of guys, I think, I mean, so far it's been Kyle Phillips and Otito Bunga and Quinton Lake. Uh, we've, we foresaw all three of those guys, but if UCLA returns upwards of 12 super seniors, and I'd say there are five critical ones, and I'm gonna, I've written a story, and it's getting ready to get launched out there. And that would be Dorian Thompson Robinson, Zach Charbonnet, uh, Sean Ryan, Greg Dulcich, and uh, Matthew Agude. If those five guys return, or a pretty substantial com- uh, combination of a few of those guys, UCLA. I know where this is going to lead because you're going to say there's a big if about defensive coordinator, but UCLA would be returning quite a bit of talent for next season. Couple that with what, as of this moment, looks like a pretty soft schedule. It's something to be excited about, wouldn't you say, Dave? Yeah, no, I think um, if you're uh, if you wouldn't be excited about the offense returning, I would say much of what is uh, great about it next year. 
um, and what that might look like with uh, like think about Dorian Thompson Robinson this season just this season alone he improved a ton right he was a much better player but think about how much better he was at the end of the season than he was at the beginning yeah um, if you get that for an entire fifth year um, and you get an offensive line more or less returning intact um, outside of Alec Anderson uh, you get you know Greg Dulcich back who would be the leading explosive receiver I think he would Kyle Phillips were more or less tied for leading receiver um but you get all those pieces back along with Charbonnet starting from day one um you know I mean remember he was he was getting like six carries a game at the beginning of the year um you add all of that together that offense will be at minimum top 10 again um and it might be one of the top two or three offenses in the country um whatever the hell the defense looks like really whatever it looks like um with that schedule next year, as I just wrote in the thing I wrote today, they will go nine and three. Like that's the that's the minimum standard if you return that much on offense. Um, and if you can't get excited about nine wins and you know potentially being a contender in the Pac-12, you know, I mean, what are we really in this for? Yeah. Are you just in well, it for? Are, are you just in it for blood? Are you just in it for firing Chip Kelly? Are you in it just to win an argument? I mean, yeah, is that what we're doing? I mean, all like, you look. Steve Lavin supporters just cling to it for years just to win the argument. I mean, come on. Let's and look, I, I want to win that argument too. Don't get me wrong, but I don't <laughs> want to win it at the sacrifice of like enjoying what will be an actually good season. Um, so I guess my point is, um, yeah, you've, you have to be excited about that. Now um, the defense, the defense yeah. may still be a limiting factor. Like I, I think – you know, you can you can enjoy the fact that they're probably going to go nine and three or better next year, but also maybe be like, ah, crap, if they just if they just made a switch at defensive coordinator and overhauled a little bit of that defensive staff, they could truly be elite. Um, I think that's a fair uh, appraisal of the situation. But um, that's no, what I, I took mean, from return your that story. much on offense. It'll be a ton of fun. That's what I took from your story today. Even if you were either writing it or I felt it in the subtext that pretty much you were just saying. But 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 what if they just had a top forty defense? That's the thing. It wouldn't take much because of that schedule. All you really need to is to be above average defensively. You don't even need to be elite. You don't need to be great. You don't need to have like the talent of twenty thirteen UCLA's defense with like the coaching of ninety seven or whatever. Like you don't need that. Yeah. What you need is to be like decent, just fine, like relatively sound limit explosive plays pretty well, um, be able to rush the passer a little bit out of your base defense. And if they could just do that, uh, that schedule sets up to be a 10-win team next year. And, the, and there's so many things to talk about. And the schedule sets up, and this is not that big of a stretch. It sounds like hyperbole, but it isn't. I mean, Bowling Green, Alabama State, and, and South Alabama are the three non-conference games. You could see... Um, well, I mean, let's just say that's three and zero. I, I, I hate to be if so it's presumptuous. Not, if it's, I, I don't mean to speak in hyperbole. If it's not three and zero, oh, somebody needs to be fired after that stretch of games. Yeah, this is our this is our po- uh, podcast of not speaking in hyperbole. But um, <laughs> um, if they'll they'll trounce those three teams, and you could see at that point. You would expect Dorian Thompson-Robinson, if he's playing, to be putting up fantastic numbers and looking fantastic and probably be at least a periphery Heisman candidate and or Zach Charbonnet. 
I, yeah, one or both will be in the Heisman conversation after those three games. They'd have to be. There's, there's yeah. just, <laughs> I mean, we saw, let's, putting this all in perspective, before the last three games of the season, we, we were all still pretty skeptical about uh, the team, the offense, and even, I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was playing better, but still. And then they played those three mediocre teams with three, let's say, pretty mediocre defenses. And they did, and it all changed. Uh, our perspective on DTR for the season changed. Just magnify that by, I don't know what number, after the first three games of next, of next yeah. year. Um, yeah. It's also very fun to think about, and that's what I have a story that's coming, to think about the decisions of those big five. In your opinion, just yes or no, would it be smart for Dorian Thompson-Robinson to return next year uh, in, in the perspective of his NFL draft stock? Uh, uh, I think yes. Uh, it, uh, so it depends because there's a lot of, there's already a lot of tape on him, a lot of film. Uh, True. You, there's a lot of Dorian Thompson Robinson that any NFL person can look at. Um, and I don't know, again, they're humans. How much, uh, cause I made this point either last week or the previous week when we talked, how much of the book has already been written on him? and how much they're going to be doing fresh evaluations of a guy they've been watching for four years. This is my point. I think what they're looking for is his capacity to improve. Well, I think I that's so, what they want. If, and if, if he shows yeah. huge improvement in 2022, that's kind of checking the box for them. Yeah. And the, the, there's a, I think there's money to be made this year. Like, I think he's draftable right now. Uh, as like a, probably a, I don't know, fourth rounder, something like that. Um, so it's a question of money right now, a year early, or you're really improving your stock, like really, really improving it and getting into like what second round, first round. So if he can do that, yeah, absolutely. Um, that his, I, I, I understand it. Like I completely get why he might decide to stay because there is now real promise that he's going to show not only all those physical tools that will basically get him drafted no matter when he goes out. But also the savvy, the ability to improve, the experience, like all that stuff that will actually make him a playable quarterback early in his NFL career. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I buy his reasoning. Zach that, Charbonnet's yeah. is the one where I don't. You don't? Because oh, he's a running back. To to return or to leave? Yeah, Zach Charbonnet should leave. Oh, okay. Because the thing is, you're a running back, you've got a pretty – Limited shelf life. Um, his style of running also, I would say, uh, I don't know necessarily that's going to make him like a, you know, a 10-year running back in the NFL or anywhere close. Um, I would go now because I think his stock's probably pretty high. Um, and I, Well, just to take into consideration what the, the NFL advisory committee does, um, they used to give you like a, a kind of an elaborate NFL – uh, draft grade, like first round, second round, third round. Now all they do, your first round, your second round, second round, or you should return to school. Um, I'd have to think at this point, a lot of these guys. Uh, I mean, we we are January fifth. They they got it's. There's a lot to be said. First off, every program only gets five 
uh, evaluations from the NFL committee. And if there are more that are requested, the head coach has to decide which five. You'd have to think these guys are, the, are among the five that were getting a, a draft evaluation. Um, you'd have to also think if it wasn't a clear first, second round and they said you should return to school, well, I take that back. If if it wasn't a clear, if it was a clear first or second round, they would probably be declaring for the NFL draft really soon. At this point, anything else where they have to kind of make decisions and need more information, I think, are guys that are considering coming back. Um, and I think that's where we stand. I I agree with you on Zach Charbonnet, but I on the and I think the 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 argument is that running backs have a very short shelf life in the NFL. What is it? Four years? Maybe that's the argument. Um, On the other hand, I think he could dramatically improve his draft stock with one more year. Uh, He has some refinement in his game. We we've seen it. He tends to bounce sometimes uh, instead of putting his foot in the ground. Um, he could improve. There, there isn't a great deal of uh, film on him comparatively, like comparatively to Thompson Robinson. So I, I get your reasoning, but I could see him. I could see the rationale for him returning. Yeah, I generally stick with running backs. If you're draftable, you go. Yeah, um, whenever I see it. it's time, because um, you just don't know how long you've got. Sean uh, Ryan. Sean Ryan. So this is another one where like. I think this is an obvious leave because I think he's probably going to be a guard in the NFL and guards generally don't go as high as tackles anyway. So if he is truly getting, you know, and, uh, you know, looking around at all the NFL draft crap, it looks like he's a second rounder. I would go. Um, Now he's a a weird and different dude and he might just be like, whatever, I want to stay in school. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he could be, he could actually be a kid where, you know, the team gets together and said, Hey, we're all coming back. We've got this soft ass schedule. <laughs> We're going to the college football playoffs. Jump on, and he'd go right. Oh, let's do it. I could see yeah. him being a kid. Um, Greg Dulcich, I think, absolutely should go, and I'll and I'll tell you why. Because I've talked to a, I've got this NFL scout friend, and he says he doesn't really necessarily see him as a, a real NFL prospect. That he doesn't have. Uh, he has average size for tight end, it, it, maybe even on the smaller side. And as a receiver, he's not explosive enough. Uh, he has a knack for, he has good hands. He's got a knack for getting in a seam, but doesn't see him as a high-end NFL tight end. So it's not going to get any better. There's plenty of tape on him. I, I could see him going, and he probably got that evaluation that said, you should return to school, but I could see him. I could see him going. Mitchell ag- uh, what do you well before I get to Mr. Agude? What do you think about? I think uh, so. For me, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I think I'm I'm with you on he's probably going to go. Um, but my take would be uh, down that path lies Thomas Duarte's uh, NFL career, which lasted um, one game. Um, and the thing is, if you don't make a roster, I don't think there's any guarantee you're getting paid much. So for Dulcich, stay and get you know if you haven't finished your degree, get your degree. Stay and uh, get your master's. Stay and work on your master's. Because uh, if you're not an NFL guy right now, you're probably not going to be. And who knows? Maybe next year you learn how to block. We'll see. 
Yeah, that's a um, big. That's yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. If there's much value to be gained in leaving for him. Um, yeah, I don't I think don't, it's getting any better. But oh, I, it might not. But it might. I and, think both of our arguments make sense. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, Mitchell Agude. Uh, I think he absolutely should think about returning. He's not on any draft boards. That scout I talked to said no one's watching tape of him, which means they're not taking him seriously at all. Um, we saw him when he was healthy in the last few games, and he was a force uh, on UCLA's defense. Uh, and I think what you just said about Dulcich, stay in school, get an advantage, because he graduated – uh, Agude did. He could get uh, a master's if he stayed at UCLA. He's a good. He was a good student. He was on the honor roll for uh, a few quarters, I think. Um, and in, and has the ability to improve. I think his draft stock if he has a big year. Uh, I I would think he he should probably stay. We also have to take into consideration all of their mentality. I heard one of the reasons in with Kyle Phillips. While Kyle Phillips, there are some NFL guys out there who really like Kyle Phillips. Um, there was also the mentality that he was just pretty much done with college, too, also. So there is that to consider. And also, before I get your opinion on Mitchell Goody, there is also the NIL uh, issue. UCLA has not been very uh, forthright, I'd say, or overt in publicizing its NIL opportunities. Um, whether you consider that a good idea or a bad idea, eh, I mean, but there are some NIL things happening with UCLA players from what I've heard. Uh, I think UCLA just likes to be a little bit more discreet rather than, you know, UCLA always tries to come down on the classy side rather than the crass side. Um, but there is some, there are some reasons to, to stay, uh, in terms of NIL. And if you were a marginal NFL player, heck, I mean, you have to make that decision. Should I stay and let's say make $50,000 a year in NIL next year or go and have the possibility of not even be catching on as a free agent and being out in the regular workforce? Yeah, I think that is a real part of it. Um, and I, I think that makes sense for guys who are like fringe, especially like a Gude and Dulcich, who more than likely, uh, they're going to have a hard time making a roster. I'm not going to speculate about whether they get drafted in the seventh round or not, but they're going to have a hard time making a roster. So, you know, stick around and, and potentially get some NIL money while also working on your degree. I don't know. I think it makes sense a lot. If we see a lot of fringe guys continuing to go into the NFL draft with the possibilities of NIL, that's... that's uh, those decisions, which used to be, I used to kind of err on the side of, you know, guys should do what they want to do. They begin, they begin to get actually stupid. Yeah, like, see that that's that's a really good point because it used to be we used to see stupid decisions, right? Right. And now with nil, that might be the the last straw, the kind of tipping point that might keep people from making that stupid decision. You gotta hope so. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think a good eight, that makes sense too. Um, and, you know, we'll see on all five. I mean, I think you know, the Dulcich thing is going to be interesting to watch. I think getting him back would be, would be huge. But um, clearly the, 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 the biggest three are DTR, Charbonnet, and Sean Ryan. Um, Sean Ryan's sneaky critical for me, mostly because of um, 
what I perceive from tackle depth, which is that there just isn't, I think there's some guys, but there just isn't anything really proven. Uh, I don't think it's sneaky. I think it's, <laughs> it's straight up obvious. I, but after Dorian, and we could make the argument, let's say they lose Dorian Thompson Robinson, Zach Charbonnet and Sean Ryan. And I think you've made this argument somewhere. Which one of those th- three positions is it easier to replace with someone you could plug in and be serviceable at least? Quarter- yeah. Quarterback, running back, or left tackle? Yeah, no, you're not going to do it at left tackle. Like yeah. I, You can argue Ethan Garbers would provide right now 80% of what Dorian Thompson-Robinson did this year at minimum. Um, you can just get a guy on the transfer portal who's going to give you, I don't know, 80% of what I would, I would bet did. UCLA would be able to go out. This is a pretty good bet. If I were in Vegas and I could take this bet, if they don't have Zach Charbonnet, I would bet UCLA, given its history of transfer running backs running for 1,000 yards or something, they would be able to go out and get a serviceable running back who would want to play in this offense. Absolutely. So you've got those, but left tackle, no. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. Um, it's hard. It's going to be very hard, and you know that that position is a premium on any kind of transfer portal market. So even UCLA being an attractive destination, there's going to be heavy competition for anybody who's in that at that level because it's not just replacing Sean Ryan with a guy. You have to replace Sean Ryan, your best offensive lineman, with somebody who's pretty damn good. And, and there, as you said, I mean, UCLA's depth at, at tackle <laughs> – I mean, does not look great for next year. We can put it that way. Um, no, and it might be good. Like, there's some developmental guys who have some promise, but it's probably not ready for next year. No, I mean, there isn't anyone obvious that you would see they would, I mean, uh, would they go back to John Gaines, <laughs> which we thought didn't work? Um, yeah, and Garrett DiGiorgio looks more like just a pure right tackle to me than a, than ever a real left tackle. I mean, obviously you can do it. And uh, I thought he played pretty well to the point where where he got in when when he got in the whole rhythm of it, uh, he played well. But that's still a leap just to have him start at right tackle. Right. And so it's just you know it's it's kind of uh, that's that's probably the one <laughs> that's the one I'd be sweating the most weirdly. Yeah. Um, so I would uh, that that's one to keep an eye on. Heck, um, if you're if you're Dorian Thompson Robinson, and now yes, we kind of skipped right over it. I had reported that uh, when did I report that Monday that there it's it's now a real possibility that he returns. Or I have enough sources within UCLA that are saying it it it's a real possibility he comes back. If you're Dorian Thompson Robinson, before you make that decision. Wouldn't your first call be to Sean Ryan and say, dude, I can't come back without you. I'll get destroyed. I'll get injured without you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would make sense. I think if if he – I, I think it's probably essential that he announces sometime soon. Um, like get him on record because I think that could help to influence some decisions and get that kind of momentum for that feeling that you're talking about. Like – Let's let's put this band back together and let's go, you know, win a Pac-12 title. And we just don't have long. You've got to declare by January 17th. We have 12 days. So yeah, this is I'm all going to happen in the yeah, next yeah, week no. and a half. Do it before anybody's really finalized their decisions besides the guys who already have, Phillips and Anderson. Um, so, yeah, so that's the situation with that. And then uh, the transfer quarterback. The transfer portal. So fun. Oh, it's fun. We love it. I hate it. I hate it a little bit. Why? I, I, I'm over that. I got way past my own 
old-fashioned i am i i don't know i was thinking about this now yesterday. i'm embracing it i was thinking about this yesterday but i am like full <coughs> stick in the mud about the entire thing i am that's I because am, you don't like recruiting in any of that at all so this is like the I worst am full like get off my lawn with this crap which is so funny because i was probably the biggest proponent of this entire idea that like there should basically be free agency and guys should just go anywhere and now i'm watching it and i'm like i don't want this I, I I want players to have freedom and everything, but not if it impacts my enjoyment of the sport. You don't like um, you like uh, uniformity and order, don't you? You are not even you talk like an anarchist, but you really aren't. I'm I'm very order driven. But wow. so okay. here's where we are. Uh, UCLA um, got a commitment from Dylan Gabriel. Uh, when was that? Like literally, when was that? Mid December. Mid December. Um, and so he was like full on recruiting for UCLA, like getting the, getting guys coming in. Suddenly they're getting commitments from like his old high school teammates. Darium, Darius Muasau is in, he's a linebacker from Hawaii. Um, there's just a lot going on. And then, uh, Oklahoma's quarterback, uh, Caleb Williams decides that he's moving on from Oklahoma and Oklahoma, I guess probably places like one phone call into Dylan Gabriel and suddenly he's going to Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> um, there's a lot to speculate about. Um, and, you know, UCLA fans are, are quick to condemn Dylan Gabriel, but... No, whatever, for, he's playing the game. He's yeah, playing but it exactly also, right. from what I know, I, I, think it's, I think you can take it as Dylan Gabriel getting at least a sense of a possibility of Dorian Thompson-Robinson returning next year. You can't fault him for that. He decides, I want to go to UCLA because Dorian Thompson Robinson's leaving, and then he gets a feeling that he could return. His old uh, his old offensive coordinator is at Oklahoma, and Caleb Williams leaves. You can see that that might be the better pathway for him if there is a possibility Thompson Robinson returns. Totally. I, you cannot. I, and I wish UCLA fans would get off like railing on the kid. Um, no, I, well, yeah. that's and that's all silly. Like that's railing also, on any of these guys for for yeah. for des, for the the design of this insane system that was uh, the responsibility of adults is silly. Uh, no, he's doing what's best for him, and, and good luck to him. Um, what it, where it impacts UCLA is obviously okay. They lost their transfer quarterback, so now they got to hope Dorian Thompson Robinson returns, or they miraculously pick up Caleb Williams in the transfer portal. Which would be what a what a fun thing that would be. Oh my! Right? Okay, first off, I want to talk about <laughs> first off, <coughs> without it, ever anticipating that UCLA and the name Caleb Williams would be associated in the same sentence. I came away from this last season just thinking Caleb Williams was the most fun quarterback, and and probably the best and most promising freshman quarterback that I've seen. I can't even name anyone who. <laughs> who did what he did. I mean, did you watch him against Oregon? Yeah, no, did, he's a freak. I, I mean, and, and not only not only is he a great athlete, he can run, he, he can use his legs. He, he has a beautiful, I mean, just watching him throw is a thing of beauty. And he's really accurate, makes great decisions, and he's a freshman. But he's so savvy. My, my favorite play of the entire season was Caleb Williams. And I think it was a fourth and one, fourth and three or something. And they went for it. The running back was stopped and stacked up. He ripped the ball <laughs> out of the running back's hand and took it the three yards for a first down. Yeah. My favorite play of the yeah. year. And then this whole thing comes. So not to get everyone excited. 
this whole thing around, I hope it keeps going like where Caleb Williams might transfer to, because this is, this is so, this epitomizes where we are in college football first. And it's just, it's kind of a lot of fun. He is in Los Angeles. He's Instagramming stories <laughs> from the beach in LA. So naturally, I mean, right. His former coach is now the head coach of USC. So the media has jumped all over that he's, Gonna go to USC. The thing is, though, there are a lot of USC media that said, yeah, we're not hearing, we're not seeing that happening. Two, USC is starting classes on Monday. And uh, uh, what we have heard out of Caleb Williams' <laughs> camp is that they're gonna take their time in deciding. Well, if you're actually gonna take your time, either you're gonna enroll in a semester school a week or two weeks late, or you're gonna go to a school in a quarter system. Um, so, yeah, some USC sources out there, like on the internet thing, are saying they're not hearing now whether this is all a smokescreen. Then it comes out that UCLA has reached out to Caleb Williams' camp, shown interest, and the interest has been, and I can verify this, this is not, whether Caleb Williams is doing this as a smokescreen, they did show interest in UCLA. Um, now, whether he's a fit, Oh, wait, I forgot the whole Georgia thing, too, that he could transfer to Georgia and there was an NIL deal worth $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Dave. You've got to take a little bit of entertainment value out of all. What it is, it's honestly, I think the reason it bothers me the most to be to be like, I think it's because it is starting what it does is it brings the flavor of one and done recruiting in basketball to football oh absolutely yeah and that's where it gets like ugh, ugh, this is not you have to embrace the entertainment value some some guy on the forum put up a screenshot of the front of bro on monday it was beautiful <laughs> you had the dylan gabriel uh flips you have a real possibility that dorian thompson robbins is returning in that uh, a potential player for Caleb Williams is UCLA. <laughs> yeah, it's too funny. It's um, beautiful. Okay, Come so on. the Caleb Williams thing, whatever. Um, but it does. Oh, that's so, how you. Uh, that's how you. Just yeah, whatever. that's how. That's how I am approaching okay. the Caleb Williams thing okay. as a as Thanks a whatever. Um, so Dylan Gabriel leaves. Dorian Thompson Robinson hopefully comes back. But also the other impact is how it um, impacts the two other transfers. Um, from uh, Darius Muasau, uh, the linebacker from Hawaii, and uh, Leatu Latu, uh, the edge rusher from Washington, because they are, may or may not have been impacted uh, to a to a greater or lesser degree by Dylan Gabriel's commitment um, with connections between them. So, I would say is, there is not a real connection with Latu. Yeah, not Dylan much Gabriel. besides the, the connection fact that both was with Polynesian. Uh, uh, yeah, Ikaika Malloy, the former Washington coach, who's right. now UCLA's outside linebacker coach. Um, so I think that one's pretty. Now, just to preface, I, I reported yesterday that they are expect both of those guys are expected to enroll next week. Right. Uh, to not only enroll, it, there's a distinction too. You can enroll and be enrolled, but people think attending class is enrollment, and that's obviously you have to enroll before you can attend class. To be bound by your, uh, you sign a grant and aid, the school is bound by it, but you aren't. For you to be bound, you have to attend class or a team activity. And 
I think there's a grace period too that you could even get out of it after that. I know that's just making UCLA fans even um, squirm more. Yeah, but we have at least brain. until next week to see if those two guys show up. Darius Muasau, a bigger question because he was high school teammates with Dylan Gabriel, and that I, from what I've heard, that that connection, that personal friendship, was a factor. But as people have made, you know, uh, middle linebackers aren't too often catching passes from their quarterbacks. So whether it's just you know for them to hang out together. On the team, uh, you would have to think his decision, uh, most of the factors didn't have anything to do with Dylan Gabriel. Right. So, so there you go. Those two I, guys. I put it at a pretty high, uh, high, high percentage of a chance that they are Bruins next week. All right. So, and uh, if you want to talk about their uh, potential um, impact, I mean, you're talking about two guys who potentially could start next year. Um, Muasau uh, uh, could step in and immediately take over for, I don't know, Jordan Jen Marquis. Um, You know, we watched him at Hawaii this year. Uh, he was identifiable as one of their best players going into that game this year. So uh, he totally makes sense as somebody who could step in and start at the Pac-12 level. Um, and Latu... Obviously, he has uh, some health concerns that you have to be cognizant of in that he was he had to retire from football in April uh, because of a neck injury that Washington doctors had, you know, diagnosed as something that uh, would prevent him from playing. And now, you know, he's gotten second opinions that have been less um, uh, strict about that. So but I think that's still something you have to be cognizant of um, because UCLA's doctors, I don't think, are necessarily uh erring on the side of uh not caution uh they tend to be cautious so we will see um what that ends up looking like but he if he is given a clean bill of health um i mean he was a, a top tier prospect and given ucla's need for an edge rush uh, he, he makes absolute sense to step in and play a lot at the very least that same nfl scout who i talked to just i texted him what do you think a lot to he said nfl player that's that's what he texted me back. So, and I I see that um, he's got good size. You know, he's six four, two seventy ish, maybe even taller. I mean, and he's got and he's got good quickness. He started out as a linebacker. Um, you know, he struggles in coverage, obviously, but that quickness and that lateral quickness really lends itself to being a good edge guy. Um, if you watch him, when we used when we saw him in high school, he was very reminiscent of Jalen Phillips, um, and he held weight better than Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips always kind of had a Jalen Phillips in his natural state. He's two hundred and twenty pounds, <laughs> so I mean, talented guy, talented athlete, but you know, it's it's a uh, it's a thing for him to keep weight on. Uh, Latu naturally uh, can hold more weight. I'd say he's not uh, – Phillips is a freak of an athlete. Um, Latu is an athlete, not on that level. But still, very reminiscent if you watched him as a prospect of of Jalen Phillips. Cool. Yeah. But again, okay, qualifier. That's not saying that Latu is going to be the next Jalen Phillips, the Jalen Phillips that we saw at Miami. Okay, just please don't. 
Don't right, you go, heard it here don't first. Don't at me at that. You heard it here first. Tracy says he's going to huh. eclipse Jalen Phillips' huh. performance at Miami. Why would you do that? Why, um, why, why? You heard it here first. Um, okay, so that's football. We've got we to gotta talk about basketball, though, with our final uh, 10, 15 minutes. That was not a good transition, but you know no. what? You left no. me little to work with. Yeah, I'm um, blaming you. I'm blaming you for the lack of transition. There. I get it. The primary thing on basketball right now is this uh, rescheduling of games and the whole controversy that's come from it. Oh, I don't even know where to start. Um, so many things. Uh, last week, we reported that UCLA had resumed practice and workouts. Since they resumed on Monday, a lot of the Arizona fans said UCLA was ducking playing them on Thursday until we actually clarified all the stipulations and rules that you need at least seven players to play and you have to have two days of full, real practice. UCLA had, on Monday had four players and were just do, basically doing conditioning. They weren't going to be able to have two f- like real practices before last Thursday or whenever, yeah, December 30th. Um, so there was that. That kind of had a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, it was a wildfire out there for... And now there's another wildfire. UCLA schedules Long Beach State for Thursday. Uh, Arizona fans, uh, their their standpoint is that UCLA is ducking Arizona. Uh, That was the first uh, opinion. And now it's back. Um, I asked Mick Cronin this question yesterday, and one of my motivations was to get Mick to clarify how conference games are scheduled now in this time of COVID-19. UCLA and Mick Cronin have no say in the decision-making when it comes to rescheduling Pac-12 games. Not even, not even an opinion. The Pac-12 isn't going to listen to anyone, any of the Pac-12 coaches. They're not. They're rescheduling on how they want to reschedule it. I just tweeted out, uh, and this came from good sources, the, the Pac-12... Um, has chosen not to reschedule the UCLA and Arizona game this week because the Pac-12 made the decision for such a high-profile conference game, it doesn't want to have that game uh, without any fans. That's a Pac-12 decision. UCLA has no say in that. So when that was handed down to UCLA, Mick Cronin was on the phone trying to find a non-conference game to fill in this week and found Long Beach State. That's how this all goes down. That's all the facts. So there you go. Can can I um, lend some facts as well? Sure. UCLA uh, has won the last five games in this series. Um, I, I think the closest one was five points. Uh, two of those victories in Tucson. Uh, I, I don't think, yes, I, I, if I'm reading this correctly, Mick Cronin has not yet lost to Arizona in his time at UCLA. So, I can't imagine why he would want to duck Arizona, since he seems to be doing pretty well against them. I mean, I, I let's just say this. I think most Pac-12 coaches are thinking, you know, are trying to be advantageous towards themselves. That They don't necessarily want to play one of the best teams in the Pac-12 when you're just coming out of COVID and maybe a big portion of your uh, roster is 
uh, not at 100% conditioning uh, standard and uh, maybe a little bit rusty. I, I think just about every Pac-12 coach would would think that. But once again, that's over that's overrode by the fact that they have no say. The Pac-12 is making the scheduling. Yeah, so. and so well, I'm just uh, I'm a little bit of kid brother syndrome from the Arizona fan base, I would say. Because uh, look, you it, said uh, that I did not. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm saying it. Well, uh, I, as you falsely tried to say that I said something five minutes ago. I am factually saying that you said that. I own and all the I did I not. Said. Arizona fans, I, I, Dave Woods said that. Right. I'm just saying if my program was, I don't know, 13 and 23 against my biggest rival over the last 36 games, I'd probably be like a little bit ornery and upset too. So I get it. I understand why you like might think these things. Oh, um, here they come, dude. But just saying. Here they come. Um, Mick Cronin, uh, just given, I'm just going purely factual here. He would have no reason to duck Arizona because I think, and this is an objective statement, he owns Arizona. Oh, gosh. Right? So I don't, I'm just saying, I'm just laying out the facts here. You know what Uh, I'm going to be doing today? What are you going to be doing? I'm going to be watching your Twitter feed. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Live, live your, live your best life. You know, I'm just looking at the rivalry here on Wikipedia, and it's just, it's just all blue. You know, <laughs> like these little splotches of red for sure. But like, have you when ever I'm thinking about it? Like it UCLA Arizona? just, UCLA just went through maybe its worst like decade of basketball ever, right? So you would have thought Sean Miller during that period would have dominated this series, right? No, losing record against UCLA, weird, right? Are you in the title when you make the title? Is is it going to be Arizona trolling? Is that what you're going to maybe make the title? Maybe, uh, you know, it's like raising Arizona, just trolling Arizona. <laughs> oh, oh, I really. Oh, oh God. Oh, it's it's almost too good not to use. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty That's good. It might really be a because but... it's mostly football. It might be uh, you know things about football and trolling Arizona. Arizona fans, don't at Tracy Pearson. Don't at at bro Twitter. At Just Dave find, Woods, please. Find David David Woods. Um, but anyway, uh, so basketball starting up. They're going to play Long Beach State, assuming Long Beach State doesn't have another COVID pause uh, tomorrow, Thursday. Um, so that'll be fun to actually watch UCLA basketball again. And it's the exact right type of game. I mean, just being honest, the exact right type of game to play coming off of a, like, literal month-long pause. So, um... Hopefully we, you know, see a team that's still relatively together, relatively in shape and uh, able to get the ball rolling again. Yeah. I I mean, like you said, anything, uh, you know, this COVID thing is kind of unpredictable. We just got to hope we get, what is it, 4.30 tomorrow? Yeah, get to 4.30. Damn, it would be really nice to just watch them, especially with Cody Riley. I mean, we have not really seen them. I mean, we saw the exhibition game and then when did... When did Riley get hurt in that first game? Literally like two or three minutes into the game. I mean, that's all we've seen. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, and that's the way to look at it. Like, I wouldn't take too much away from like, oh gosh, are they playing with the proper amount of intensity and all that crap? Just like, do they look like they're relatively healthy and like conditioned and, you know, make sure they beat Long Beach State. But other than that, I don't know. Just watch the basketball and enjoy it. Yeah, should be fun. Should all right. be really fun. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I, I'm just assuming you've got nothing else. No, I, I, I think we we put it all out there. We're spent. yeah, we really let it all hang out. Yeah, 
Uh, at for Dave Tracy... Woods. At Dave Woods. <laughs> for Tracy Pearson, <laughs> I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online. You can uh, at him, at Bruin Report. Uh, no, we'll no, no, to... no, no, no. <laughs> at David Woods. And we'll talk to you again next time. At Dave Woods.